0: you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please vote with your fingers and rate, review, or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, and every positive review and every additional subscriber really does make a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to see you at our upcoming live show at Busker's on the Ball Temple Bar in Dublin on August 21st with our special guest, Sky Sports NFL analyst Phoebe Schechter. Full details on the website and on our social channels and tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. We'd love to see you then, now on with today's show.
1: Hello everyone and welcome in to today's Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin, and I am very pleased to be joined by a man who you may have seen or for his spreadsheet referred to on various podcasts particularly over the last month or so he uh is uh the ceo of Neptune's gaming he also is the man who runs chargers wire I'm very delighted to speak to alex Jackson how are you doing
0: sir doing great um you know nice and uh nice and late on a friday night here uh <laughs> excited to be on thank you for having me of course um i will um you know i i don't run chargers wire yet i'm the i'm a main contributor at chargers wire but gavino borquez uh, my editor is the one that runs everything over there right now so um but yes chargers wire and Scouting, um, all that stuff um very uh very hot name right now kind of against my will <laughs> thanks to uh our friend jp acosta um and everything but yeah uh stoked to be on
1: well, d- uh, delighted to be, to be chatting to you, and yeah, that look the the power behind the throne is always the people who who run it. We we all know that you know Joan made the office run in, in Mad Men. It, it was it wasn't um it wasn't John ja, Ham. So, um, look, we are here to talk about well, well, at least initially, one of the more interesting teams I think in in the league, um, because the the Minnesota Vikings exist in purple purgatory. I think we could at least all agree with Florio on, on that point. And the Seattle Seahawks are probably the league's most memeable team. Right? They get the love as being the kind of weird outsiders all the time. But the the Chargers are. Like, who who are the Chargers? Act.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's kind of uh it's kind of a hard question to answer like you alluded to um you know there's there's all the memes about you know there's no Chargers fans but then you look and the Chargers social team is the one doing the most impressions in the league and it's like well someone is looking at it (laughs) um and you know credit to the Chargers social team they do a great job over there um and so it's not necessarily all Chargers fans that are consuming that stuff but I mean there are people out there that are reading the stuff that I write for Chartered Wire. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a job. So there are people out there that follow the team. You know, there, there's this um, you know conception that the Chargers don't spend a lot of money because the Spanos family is among the uh, quote unquote poorer of you know of the owners of the league, as poor as you could be of, as an owner of an NFL team. And yet, they've reset the market at safety at edge rusher at center and now rec- most recently at quarterback with the justin herbert extension and so it's a very like weird team because you know there's a lot of uh notions that people have about them that are not necessarily true and you know it's just kind of a weird like middle ground to exist in all the time then also like you know there are some things that are correct like you know the injury luck every year is bad. <laughs> um, you know, like there's no getting around that. Um, the you know the classic chargering in you know in games, the games. happy that, that is based in reality. Um, and so you know it's a very kind of enigmatic team to to follow. Um, even though like there are some things that you know are reasonable um, criticism, certainly, and there are some things that are not so reasonable, and so, you know, like like anything, it's just about, uh, you know, finding the middle ground and, you know, uh, kind of debunking those those false narratives and stuff, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting season for them, for sure, I think. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's so much fun to the Chargers, right? You, you mentioned social media piece. There's also the fact that, in stark contrast to my Denver Broncos, the Chargers go from QB to QB to QB without any problems, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, none, none of this years in the wilderness. And there, there's also, you know, you mentioned the Charger group. Obviously, look, 2010 will live on in infamy in for forever. That's what I mean. Like, the Chargers just they find ways to over here, I suppose, the comparison would be to, to Tottenham Hotspur. Everyone quite likes Spurs. Everyone quite likes the Chargers. But everyone waits to see what this season, what way are they going to find a way to, you know, end it for themselves, shoot themselves in the foot. Because you look at it and this year has been, I suppose, a, bit, a little bit different in terms of the Chargers aren't the maybe media darlings in the same way. They haven't won the off season to use that uh, horrible term. Um, but obviously they did get the, the Justin Herbert contract done. From your perspective in terms of this offseason, how how are you feeling as we sit kind of at the end of at July, beginning of August about the team in general?
0: Yeah, so I, I think you bring up a good point, which is that this year there seems to be a lot less media attention around the Chargers coming into the year. I think Everyone was very excited, you know, last year and the year before that. Like, the first year of Brandon Staley a few years ago, like, everyone was really excited of, like, oh, like, what, you know, this defensive genius, like, what is that going to bring to the team with Justin Herbert kind of ascending? And then last year, you kind of, like, there's still leftover optimism from that of, like, okay, we're going into year two of the Staley system, and so, like, there's going to be adjustments, and now, like, Khalil Mack is joining the team, and, like, you know, there's, there's a little bit more um to get excited about and this year it's not like that and it almost feels like everyone in the media has gotten burned one too many times and now they're like okay we're not gonna say anything about the chargers we're just gonna hang out and like we recognize that they're over there but we're not gonna say anything because if we say something then that's what jinxes it um I think as far as the offseason goes, obviously the roster itself, um, they pretty much ran everything back. Um, most of the new additions that they have are via draft picks. Um, they didn't really take a super aggressive approach in free agency. Um, they also couldn't, really, um, because there is a lot of salary cap tied up in Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joey Bosa, Mack, now Justin Herbert down the line as well. Um, and... So really, the biggest offseason addition is Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator. Um, And we've already seen through the first, you know, less than a week of training camp that Kellen Moore's offense is not going to be the same thing that we saw out of the Chargers last season, where it was Justin Herbert is going to go through reads and then throw a five-yard stick route on every play because everyone is running a five-yard stick route. Um, We've already seen Herbert really uncork some deep passes down the sideline, down the seam, um, like really all over the field, like 40, 50, 60 plus yards to pretty much every receiver on the team. Um, And so it looks like it's going to be a lot more open of an offense than it was last season, which is a big, big deal because I think a lot of what limited the Chargers last season is getting a little bit too conservative almost of just like being comfortable with okay we're going to throw all these quick timing routes we're going to you know put a lot of that load on our wide receivers to just win one-on-one matchups on these kind of like quick routes um and then Keenan Allen misses some time with injury Mike Williams misses some time with injury you're you're out there with Josh Palmer as wide receiver one some weeks Michael Bandy DeAndre Carter those sorts of players are playing way more than you expect them to um going into the season and you don't really adjust. And so like the offense really didn't look the way that people thought that it might coming into last season. I think that this season you see a huge shift just in terms of like they're going to let Justin Herbert be the one that dictates whether or not this offense succeeds or fails. And based on what we've seen from him, it seems like the offense should succeed if he's the one in charge of whether or not it succeeds or fails.
1: Yeah, I suppose that that's what I was really, kind of really interested in was with Herbert his seeing and I, I thought we the answer was likely this and and, and the week you said now look, it's a week in training camp, everyone's always in the best shape of their life. But to me it felt a little bit like the Matthew Stafford thing of you saw in when Stafford was with the Lions. The impact of the offensive coordinator in terms of his depth of throw and how, you know, how willing he was to push it down the seat. Because we know Matthew Stafford has the arm, it was never about, um, you know, wasn't able to do it. But Matthew Stafford is a guy who works with his offensive coordinator, he's not going to go rogue all the time. And, and clearly we're seeing um, similar with Herbert. So I am certainly very intrigued um, by by that uh, piece to, to see how it works, because he is just He's brilliant and deserving of uh, all of that uh, new new contract. But can I, I, I'm I suppose I'm wondering. And at this look, I I will I'm bringing my bias to the table here as a Broncos fan. I think Herbert is, is fantastic. I think the Chargers have some great pieces, Jerwin Ger- James. But am I being somewhat unfair in that my feeling around Mike Williams? as the wr1 and bosa as the as the the premier pass rusher they don't scare me in a way that when i look at other teams wr1s and their pass rushers even though they're both very good players like incredibly good players but they just aren't the top top level is that Am I being fair, or is that is that me being a biased end
0: Sure. I think that, um offensively speaking, I definitely think that the, however you want to slice it, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, whoever you want to call the wide receiver one there, I definitely think that it's fair to say, like, that's not, I think that maybe a few years ago, you could talk about Keenan Allen as being in that kind of tier of player of, like, someone that you're really scared to go up against every week. That's not who he is anymore. Um, you know, he's on the back half of his career, he's getting a little bit older, he's had some injury problems, like, that's just not who he is. I do think that that is fair in that sense of, like, there's not, like, a, like, Devontae Adams-level talent on the Chargers offense, receiving-wise, that, like, you are, like, we have to dedicate this amount of attention to. I think that the the way that the Chargers want to scare opposing defenses is that they're going to spread the ball around. And I think that that's been the case pretty much since Philip Rivers was the quarterback of like, we have this incredible processor mm-hmm. on your center who is going to find the open receiver, whether that's our top level guy, you know, in and out Mike Williams, or if that's wide receiver three, wide receiver four, like everyone on the defense down to, you know, 11th man has to play perfectly because we have the guy that is going to exploit you if you aren't playing 100% perfect on every snap. I think that defensively, Joey is an interesting player because I think that a lot of his impact is understated because there's no interior pass rush threat on the Chargers, really. And there hasn't been for a little while, and I think that last year you started to see some of that from Morgan Fox, who then was rewarded with you know another contract by the Chargers this offseason. Um, although the money was perhaps not as big as he was expecting it to be, um, and that lack of interior pressure really allows you to send extra um, send extra coverage to Joey Bosa on the on the exterior. Um, Because you're not so worried about a three-tech or a five-tech beating you inside to get to the quarterback. Because the Chargers just don't have a guy like that. And so it's a lot easier to, like, you don't have to leave your left tackle on an island with Joey Bosa. Um, And I think that that's a lot of the idea also behind acquiring Khalil Mack before the beginning of last season. Is, you know, kind of spreading out that attention um, and making it so that Bosa has more one-on-one opportunities. Kalou Mac has more one-on-one opportunities. And last season, you just didn't really see a ton of that because they weren't on the field at the same time a bunch. Um, Bosa got hurt in week three, um, missed, you know, a pretty decent chunk of the season. Um, and then when they, when Bosa did come back, Mac was kind of dealing with, like, some lingering, you know, just kind of, like, week-to-week sort of issues and, like, they just weren't on the field enough to kind of develop that chemistry of, like, this is, you know, a top-tier pass-rushing tandem. Um, I think that they can get there this season. Um, obviously, both of them are a year older. You know, Kalumak is definitely not getting any younger, um, and especially with that contract. It, you know, this might be the only season that we see Joy Bosa and Kalumak really put things together like that. Um, but you have Bosa, you have Mac, you have Morgan Fox on the interior who's back after, you know, eight or nine sacks last season, I think. Um, and so there's more attention that you have to disperse among your offensive linemen and anyone else that you're leading into block. And so I think in that sense, it's similar to the offensive. There may not be like a absolute world beater um, on either side of the ball, just in terms of you know, like, like you said, they're all incredible players and they're all, you know, I think that Williams, Allen, Bosa, Mack are all in the top 20-ish at their position. Um, but it's not like the Chargers don't have a top five guy anywhere necessarily, um, with the exception of Derwin James um, and Justin Herbert, who, you know, are different. <laughs> um, but, you know, from a pass rushing perspective, I do think that it's going to be a similar approach of just like we have all of these guys that we can send out you and you have to be able to beat all of them on a, on any given play because if any one of them gets past you, then it's going to be a pressure. It's going to be a sack. Um, and it doesn't necessarily all have to come from Joey Bosa. It doesn't necessarily all have to come from Khalil Mack. You no, know, that's a, an interesting, um, explanation. I, I,
1: when you mentioned Philip Rivers there uh, it reminded me of the, the best sports heckle I, I've ever heard obviously we all know Philip famous for not swearing and I saw the Chargers play the Broncos uh, at my side a few years back when he was still there and a fan uh, roared at the Chargers sideline side Philip Rivers doesn't read to his kids and he's a bit of even the Chargers players were laughing at, at that one. I just thought it was one of the nicer kind of heckles, but need, need to fill, it, fill up in a way that would kind of get, get to him. Um, I, I suppose one of the things I think that could be interesting, you know, we've talked a, a lot in in general uh, and, and maybe but very specific players. What are some of the things that uh, excite you about the, the Chargers going into 2023 huh?
0: Yeah. So I think the offense is the big, we kind of touched on that of just, you know, the, the more like spread out downfield, um, passing attack that it looks like they're going to install under Kellen Moore, uh, um, is, is going to be really exciting. Um, I think that it's going to be closer to the 2021 version of Justin Herbert that we saw of, you know, every week, like here's a throw that's, you know, 60, 70 yards down the field and just perfectly dropped in the bucket to a receiver. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And obviously like a lot more of that is a lot more exciting than watching Justin Herbert, you know, throw it five yards of play. (laughs) Um, I I'm really excited to see how cornerback shakes out. Um, I think there's four starting quality options that the chargers have, and they have to decide which three of them are going to be on the field. Um, JC Jackson looks like he's going to be ready for week one after tearing his patellar tendon uh, in October, um, which is kind of miraculous, really. Um, But if he's back, he's going to start. Um, Michael Davis played phenomenally last season in his stead. Um, I think that he is deserving of a starting spot. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. is, you know, one of the better coverage players on the team, but he's... He struggles mightily in run defense, um, and so his starting spot is kind of like confusing. It's like, if J.C. Jackson is out, then Asante makes sense as the other outside corner. But if J.C. is playing, then where does Asante Samuel go? Because in the slot, you also have Jasir Taylor, the 6th round pick from last season, who really came on towards the end of the year. Ended up, you know, starting to split some of those slot duties with Bryce Callahan, who's still a free agent. Um, And you even saw him replace Asante Samuel Jr. in a lot of looks because they just needed the extra run defense help. And Brandon Staley's defensive scheme puts a lot of pressure on that slot corner position in run defense. And so you probably can't start Asante Samuel Jr. every single week, every snap of every game at slot corner because... You're gonna. Te- other other teams are gonna go back and they're gonna watch that playoff game against the Jaguars and they're gonna see Doug Peterson just ran the ball straight at Samuel pretty much the entire second half and that's how the Jaguars were able to get back into that game. Uh, other teams are gonna be able to figure that out too. Um, like they have that film that they can go watch and they can do the exact same thing and it's gonna probably result in the exact same thing. Um, and so I think that that's a really interesting camp battle um I I think that what probably ends up happening is that uh Samuel and Taylor will platoon um in the slot and it'll be kind of a true committee um and that's gonna be fascinating to see how that plays out because it's gonna be kind of a week-to-week thing just pure matchup based which is not really something that you see all the time in the NFL I feel like um and so you know it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, you know, chemistry-wise, just like you know, getting everyone on the same page of essentially having twelve starters on defense. Um, and then flipping back to the offense, I think it'll be interesting to see who emerges as the second running back option behind Austin Eckler. Um, every they the Chargers didn't add anyone other than a couple undrafted free agents. Um, And so you're you're running the same room back as last year. Um, Joshua Kelly took a small step forward, but I think not as big of a step as many people were hoping for. Um, You know, during the preseason, it looked like this is going to be the guy. And then we got into the season and, um, you know, he was having some trouble in the receiving game just wasn't really like things weren't really clicking for him the same way that it was in the preseason. Um, And you know, so it was a little bit ineffective. Sonny Michelle was here for, you know, half the season and was, you know, c- completely ineffective, essentially ended up getting released midseason. Isaiah Spiller, who a lot of people were excited about and are still excited about, um, really couldn't find a way to crack the field last season. Um, and a lot of that just had to do with special teams value. Um, you know, it's hard to be a game day active if you're a third string player and you don't contribute on special teams. Um, which is how we ended up getting some more snaps out of Larry Roundtree because he's a much better special teams player. Um, it sounds like so far this week, Spiller is emerging as that second option that everyone kind of thought he was going to last season. Um, and I think it it bears mentioning that last season, Isaiah Spiller was, I think, the youngest player in the NFL. And if not, he was close because um, he turned 21 I think, a month or two after the Chargers drafted him last season. Like, it was during OTAs, I want to say. So, like, a super young guy for the NFL, um, you know, not super surprising that it took him, you know, an extra year to get up to speed, if that's what it means. Um, And it sounds like he might be in that conversation as running back two this season. Um, And so I'm interested to see how that plays out because you're also looking at, you know, this could be – someone who needs to take over as the de facto RB1 after this season, because Austin Eckler's on an expiring contract. Um, The extension talks clearly have not gone well. I think that's been very public that it's not going well, and Austin Eckler is not happy with it. Um, And so it seems, as of right now at least, it seems incredibly doubtful that Austin Eckler will be back on the Chargers in 2024. Um, And so, you know, it's a big season. Joshua Kelly's a free agent after this season, too. His rookie deal is up. Um, And so if Isaiah Spiller is able to take that role over, then, you know, you're looking at this could be the guy going into 2024. Like Isaiah Spiller could be RB1 heading into 2024 or or the Chargers will have to spend a very high, relatively high draft pick. On a running back to replace Austin Eckler because they're not comfortable with what they have in that room, and so I think that that's going to be fascinating to see play out um, not only in training camp but over you know the course of the whole season as well.
1: I I like your wonderful way of uh, of, of understatement around the Austin Eckler contract. Club. <laughs> uh, not not great, Bob. Uh, also, uh, the fact you mentioned like Bryce Callahan, who I think is. Such an example of, of a Chargers player in many respects, right? Giftedly talented, but came with had has never ever played a full season in the league, which they had like a decade's worth of evidence for, and they still went down. I was like, oh, we we know how this ends. Everyone gets really excited in training camp because he looks magnificent, and when he is on the field, he is. Um, but we know what happens. Um, I I suppose uh you're know, also wondering about like and on a kind of a, a a slightly wider lens in terms of when you look at the AFC West and, and the other three teams, what are your thoughts on the, the Chargers' divisional rivals?
0: Yeah. Um, I think that the best that you could hope for as a fan of three of the teams in the division is second place. (laughs) Um, obviously the chiefs are, are going to be up there every season, as long as they have Patrick Mahomes, um, And it's infuriating almost, and perhaps you share in this feeling as a Broncos fan as well. Like, it's almost infuriating that, like, every single young piece on that defense seems to have worked out or be working out. And so it seems like they're building this, what I think is going to be relatively good defense for pennies on the dollar essentially because it's all players that are on rookie contracts it's all players with multiple years of control it's just like it's ridiculous (laughs) um and so the chiefs are the chiefs are the chiefs they're going to be what they are um i think that the best case chargers chargers wise um the best case is probably splitting those two regular season games and then hoping that you can um either catch them on your home field um, or, you know, the Chargers have had success going into Arrowhead and winning those games before. Um, And so, you know, just hoping and praying that you can pull that off in the playoffs. um, I think that's really the the best that you can hope for um, as far as the Chiefs go. Um, The Broncos, I think, are going to be interesting. Um, I'm a lot more intrigued in the Broncos than I was last season with Nate Hackett. Um, I think that the Sean Payton thing obviously makes a huge difference um, for them. I think that it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Hackett was a disaster and everything about that team was worse off because of it. But I also think that there are a lot of things about that Broncos offense that were not necessarily symptomatic of Nathaniel Hackett, but were symptomatic of Russell Wilson just kind of on the decline. Um, And I think that there were a lot of things that you saw from Russell Wilson on the field as a Denver Bronco that you saw kind of crop up as these kind of bad habits that last year in Seattle um, that he carried over with him. And so I'm interested to see if, with Sean Payton coming in, if we kind of revert back a couple of years and we get the Russell Wilson that we saw in maybe 2020, 2019, um, or if it just kind of continues down the same path where it's, it just becomes clear like he's not that same guy anymore. Um, I think that defensively, the Broncos are excellent. Um, I think that Pat Sertain is one of probably the top five corners in the league off the top of my head. <laughs> um And so, you know, dealing with him is always going to be a challenge. I think that um, with the edge rotation healthier um, with Aaron Browning and uh, Randy Gregory and, you know, all those guys, it's going to be a formidable defense to go up against. Um, And then the Raiders are kind of similarly to the Chiefs. The Raiders are kind of the Raiders, but, you know, kind of on the other end of the spectrum of I think that it's going to be be another year of kind of figuring things out under Josh McDaniels. Um I don't love Jimmy Garoppolo. Um I think that it's going to be a a Patriots West esque uh team which has not really ever worked out in the past um outside of the Bill Belichick environment. Um but like you have Jimmy Garoppolo, you have Jacoby Myers You have Hunter Renfro who feels like he should be a Patriots slot receiver um, and so kind of will be in that system. Um, And, you know, I think that there's a lot of pieces there that on paper fit together and make sense as, like, this is an NFL team. But there's nothing, kind of like we were talking about with Mike Williams and Joey Bosa, like, outside of Devontae Adams, there's nothing that really, like, scares me on that Raiders team. Um, Max Crosby is excellent, of course, um, and, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with, um, but kind of outside those two players, Adams and Crosby, like, there's not really anything where I'm, like, afraid of playing the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a couple of things, I suppose. Like, for me,
1: um, and don't get me wrong, Patrick Mahomes is an alien, and he is truly incredible, but he... We in the AFC West and the league, uh, one and wider level, it to me they will be favourites for the Super Bowl as long as him and Andy Reader. like, cause it's, it's like it's the perfect marriage, right? This because he he's got the absolute gifted head coach and they are so in tune, and it doesn't matter who the wide receiver there, they just go go and do it. Uh, in terms of the the Broncos, um, I suppose the the things I. I was delighted Sean Baton went scorched her. I was a little sad that he walked back. Um, I admire your um, belief that Randy Gregory might play more than six games in a, in a season. Uh, I, I also think the Broncos' defense was brilliant last year, um, but the Jibo Everett has moved on to Carolina, so we, we shall see in terms and around the rust stuff. Like Mike Sando, if you look, Mike sando has been talking about Russ's decline for three, four, four, five years. So it's this is not, this is my big concern. And, you know, people, Sean Payton can come in unless Russ is truly willing to humble themselves um, and really look at the way he does things. And, and I don't know if that, if he can, um, you know, he, he can be better, sure, uh, but better from such a, a, a low a uh, low, low floor. So we we will see. And I saw Josh McDaniel's in Denver. I know how this ends. He would he would have been gone last year. Only his contract meant that it was easier to throw Derek Carr overboard than it was to throw Josh McDaniel's overboard. But ultimately, the they are treading water. Uh, and uh, it, you know, it, it's just not not, not going to be the the case. But uh, the. I I think I am very jealous of the Chargers' ability to beat the Chiefs and particularly even win at Arrowhead. Like that is just something yeah. that we we have never beat Patrick Mahomes, um, which is which is tough. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, you you have been um very generous uh with your time late night uh, over there. But before I let you go, I suppose on a a league wide lens, Alex, like what are the things that intrigue you? Right about the upcoming season, and this can be positive. It can be negative. Um, it can like I I am gonna be kind of looking out from behind my hands at, at Vance Joseph and and how that might work out. Um, and it doesn't have to be chargers related. It can be player. It can be coach. It can be something that you really liked what a team did in the off season or some somebody that was drafted. What the floor is yours. What what is it that you're looking forward to in the NFL in 2022?
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, real quick, before I get into that, I do think that you make a good point about the the shift from, from Evero to Vance Joseph. Um, you know, it, just in terms of defensive philosophy, um, like Vance Joseph, uh, loves to blitz and that's not really something that was part of the Broncos defense under Evero. Um, and so it'll be interesting. I think that it We might end up seeing them underperform relative to expectations just because it's kind of a transition year personnel-wise. And it's kind of a nice segue because I think that also one of the teams that I feel that way about is the Dolphins, who I think are poised and have put themselves in this position um, to be a contender in the AFC. Um, Obviously, that momentum is a little bit slowed now with the Jalen Ramsey uh, meniscus injury um, that sounds like it's going to keep him out until you know mid-December at this point um because he's going to do the full repair but um you know transitioning that defense to a Fangio tree scheme um you know with Vic Fangio himself as the defensive coordinator this season like I don't really think that they necessarily have the personnel to run that sort of defense this season um and so I'm going to be super interested to see how that plays out because I think that if they can get that off the ground and they can get that working like right away, then like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with whether Jalen Ramsey's not playing until December or not. Um, I think that uh, watching this rookie quarterback class is going to be fascinating. I think that this is one of the rare times where you have three guys that are all pretty much locked in as week one starters, where I think Bryce Young is going to start um, you know, he's already been announced as the week one starter in Carolina. Um, Anthony Richardson is going to start week one for the Colts because they just kind of don't have anyone else <laughs> that could possibly be playing. Um, CJ Stroud looks like he's on track to start week one for the Texans. I'm, uh, really, really interested to see how their NFL development goes because I had them all grouped pretty closely together coming into the NFL. Um, I think that Bryce maybe has the best situation just in terms of you know there's um a pretty good offensive line in front of him in Carolina um you have a veteran receiver and Adam Thielen who maybe isn't what he was um you know but is still you know gonna be someone that can be a security blanket kind of over the middle for him um but obviously the concern there is going to be the size um you know of like it is he gonna you know, turn into dust as soon as he gets sacked the first time uh, in the NFL. Um, I personally think he'll be fine, but, you know, it's something something to track. And then Richardson with the Colts, I think, is going to be fascinating um, just because, like, it's such a departure from what they've had previously at the quarterback position, and it's such a departure from, like, Chris Ballard's tendencies. Um, And so I'm really interested to see the way that they're going to use him – as a running threat as well um and then in Houston I think that Stroud has again a really solid offensive line in front of him the Texans just locked up Titus Howard um who's one of the better right tackles in the league right now I think um and so that's going to be something to watch too I think that's that's going to be fascinating I think um I am kind of irrationally invested in the 49ers quarterback competition, mostly because I was a huge Trey Lance guy and I refused to give up hope. <laughs> um, uh, and so I think, you know, that's going to, that's going to be fascinating. Um, I think the Jaguars are really interesting, you know, coming back with another year of Trevor Lawrence. I, I really like some of the stuff they did this off season. Um, yeah. I, I think, I mean, honestly, like I just like, I, I feel like sometimes I almost get overwhelmed because there are so many things that I that I want to follow and that I want to keep track of. That Like I'm trying to hit all of them, but like, but yeah, I think it's, it's going to be another fascinating season. Obviously, like, I mean, even like, we didn't even talk about Aaron Rodgers on the jets. Like, you know, that, that's going to be, you know, a huge part of the, of the narrative of this season. Like, I think that there are like 10, 11 teams in the AFC that you can all make a pretty reasonable case for making the playoffs. Um, and, you know, history tells us that two or three of those teams, we will know pretty quickly, like, oh yeah, this isn't going to happen for them this year, but like, it's still going to be a tight, tight race. And I think you're going to have to get to 10 or 11 wins in order to make the playoffs in the AFC. Um And it just kind of has been the way that the league has been the last few years of just the, the balance of power sits in the AFC. Um And, you know, I think, the Eagles, you know, pretty much return everything on the NFC side. I'm I'm interested to see, you know, if teams, if opposing teams kind of figure out that offense. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of things that obviously the Eagles did super well and Jalen Hurts improved a ton and he's, you know, an, an incredible quarterback, but also I think that, you know, it's the first year of burden of proof and we've kind of seen the same thing with a lot of those offenses where, it gets in a year two year three and opposing teams start to kind of figure it out. And it's kind of like, okay, like what is your adjustment from here? And I think that that's what really like makes, like makes the mark of like a top tier coach in the NFL. And so I'm, I'm intrigued to see like how Nick Sirianni responds to opposing teams, kind of throwing new stuff at them now that they've had a full offseason to kind of digest what the Eagles were doing all year. Um, And yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I'm excited just to for for NFL to come back and for for to uh, get incredibly invested in uh, very specific things for no reason. I'm I'm so excited for it. Uh,
1: a lot of uh, great points. I think on the the Eagles and the Colts. I mean, the Eagles have got the, the losing chain cycle. I think is huge, uh, and that's the, yeah. the biggest question mark for me on, on the Eagles. I'm uh, the conductor of the Jalen Hurts hype train. Uh, but I have like he is just he's such I he's such a gifted coordinator. I think it yeah. translates into the head coach side of things, and that's why I'm excited about Anthony Richardson at the Colts because it is against everything Ballard has done. But I think that's probably a good thing, and I think he couldn't have a better coach to develop a young QB. I also, you know, you got Frank Wright, so you have two the you know two of the top QBs who are in you know very gifted kind of. Um, head coach development uh, territory Uh, so that will be really really interesting and yeah look I I can't wait for for the return of of football Uh, Alex it's been a lot of fun to, to chat to you for listeners out there who want to check out more of your stuff where can they do that
0: yeah, um, the, the best place for now, um, until the website gets shut down forever and we have to figure out a new thing, the best place is probably Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Um, you can find me at Alex Katzen. Uh, my last name is starts with a K, so A-L-E-X-K-A-T-S-O-N. Um, I am over there just kind of having a silly, goofy time uh, posting about, you know, obviously Chargers Wire and Neptune Scouting. I do college football and NFL draft stuff as well um but also most of my tweets are just me kind of messing around and having a nice time and you know i kind of uh am just out there doing doing all sorts of stuff um but yeah that's probably the best place you could find me um once the season gets going obviously everything will be over on chargers wire and so you can find all the articles and stuff there but uh but yeah um was a pleasure coming on Uh, i had a had a great time uh, the, the Chargers,
1: there's some um, ha- proper hardcore Chargers fans on this side of the the Atlantic. And uh, I know that uh, they, they'll they be uh, delighted to uh, hear you on the podcast. And yeah, certainly we'll uh, put your um, Twitter handle into the show notes for that. Uh, Alice Kitson, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.